All right, welcome to episode 106 of the BobbyCast. A couple things. First of all, thanks to our sponsors, Blue Apron and Quip. Uh, about to have David Lee Murphy on. I'll say this, that the last episodes we've done, we've had, this will be David Lee Murphy. We've had Dave Haywood, Dave Barnes, and Dave Cohen. Somehow we've gotten this string of Daves, all accidental. And the only other ones we could think about bringing in were, Mike D, what do we have? David Nail, maybe? We considered him? I haven't seen him in a while. Any other Daves? I think that's all the Daves. Dave, David Duchovny? David, Dave Coulier? Yeah, so, it's been four Daves, man. But I was excited about David Lee Murphy because of Dust on the Bottle and his new song, Everything's Gonna Be Alright. So, we'll talk about all that. He's got 90 cuts. He's got big, huge hits that you wouldn't even know he wrote. I do want to remind you to listen to Christian Bush's podcast. It's called Geeking Out, where he brings on somebody that's known for something else. He brought in the woman who wrote and created Nashville, the TV show. And so first she talks about that, because she wrote Thelma and Louise as well. Thelma and Louise was our first script ever. I didn't write my first script until I was in my early 30s, but that was Thelma and Louise, so I kind of didn't have a... There was no going back from that. That was your first one? That was my first one. So you can listen to that podcast, but what Christian does is he takes someone's specialty like that and turns it into... What else do you love? And what she loves is music. I opened this one randomly. Excuse me, cooking, yeah. cooking, cooking. Okay. I opened this one randomly today, and I just saw something called chocolate mayonnaise. Oh, that's I won't terrible. Have any, any desire to try that at all? That's the opposite of like a Reese's peanut butter cup. Right. So you can check out Geeking Out with Christian Bush. Also, the guys at Whiskey Riff have one called Whiskey Riff Raff. And as we get into this, what I try to do is I try to avoid any substance talk before the podcast. And David Lee Murphy had sat down. We were just briefly talking for a second. He's like, hey, what's up, American Idol? And that's why I think it starts with us talking yeah. about it right into it. I was like, hold on, we'll just start the podcast. So he asked me about that, and that's where it started. So welcome to episode 106, David Lee Murphy, which, by the way, he's almost 60 years old. Yeah, it's 39. Man, rocking it, too. Got a new song out. So, okay, here we go. David Lee Murphy, episode 106 of the Bobbycast. Tell your friends about this one, please. We're here with David Lee Murphy. Hey, we're hey. talking about... Idol right before I came on. Yeah. So what I'm doing is they have uh, 20. I'm the mentor to the 24. Mm-hmm. So when they make it to the 24, then they, they I, I guess I spent about an hour and a half with them. Or you so. just, do, do you like. I don't teach them how to what? sing because you've seen me sing. I'll teach them how to sing. I stay away from that part of it because they have the Lou. You're an entertainer though. But, and that's why they brought me because I do comedy and I do radio and TV yeah. and music. And so they wanted me, since they already have people teach them how to sing. They wanted somebody to kind of say, hey, this is how you perform. This is how you work. You work a crowd. This is how yeah. you do social I've media. Seen you, I've seen you work a crowd before. <laughs> That's all I can do. Like 14,000, 15,000 people. That's all I can do. I can't sing, so I, I have to do extra work. Yeah. On the, so you and I actually spent time, I guess the last time we spent time together it, it, in any long amount was right outside of D.C. We were in Northern Virginia Where'd together. that band just go? Because yeah, they, they left. Were, they were really. Yeah, yeah. They, <laughs> they went back to the 50s. They were good. Yeah. yeah that, yeah. You were out riding with Toby, right, Toby Keith? I was. And uh, w- that was like uh, outside of D.C., yeah. Virginia. In like northern Virginia. Yeah. And so I saw you on the side and I went, oh, man. I Because just in passing, we had said hello, but I never stopped and be like, hey, I'm Bobby, because I don't want to bother you. Because I feel like, that's David Lee Murphy. I don't bother David Lee Murphy. Oh, so, no, man. We're just hanging out. And then, we, yeah, we sat and talked for a bit. I was like, man. So I had a couple friends that said, hey, do you know David Lee? They're all like... I love it. You're well loved in town. Oh, thank you. That's awesome. As a writer, people they love writing. People love writing with you. You know, well, that's 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 the best compliment you could get. 
you know, just uh, writing songs is, that's what we, I mean, all of us love to do that. And, and if, when somebody says that, that's really cool. We sat on the side, and I was embarrassed. You had to watch our band play at the time. No, we you guys, you you y'all did a good job. I mean, you had the crowd. We weren't even you a did. real band yet. There was just two of us up there. We were struggling, and I, was, I thought, man, he's watching us, and we're struggling. No, right now. I mean to go up there with guitars in front of that many people. <laughs> you know, yeah, it was good. Let I me really, tell you. Let me tell. What, what do your friends call you? They call you David or David Lee? Or both what do they call you? David, David Lee. I mean, it just varies. And depending, depending upon the time of the day or the night, it can vary, you know. Let me tell you about this new song. I heard it. I, now I've been saying it on the radio now. I, I think it's the best song on the radio. Oh, thank this, you. I love this groove. She's rattled the ass in my plastic cup. That's real good. I love this song. Thank you. Tell me something good that I don't know. Because this world's been kicking my behind. When did you record this? We recorded it probably a year and a half ago. I mean, I, I'm not sure about date-wise, but it was, uh, it's was. it been a, at least a year and a half ago. So did you have big plans for it when you cut it? Did you think it'd be a single? Actually, when we cut it, I, I didn't, I hadn't even really considered it in my stash of songs. You know, I had... Um, Kenny and I had picked out 10 or 11 songs that we wanted to do and uh, we had been concentrating on those and uh, we cut this song and it just felt so good and I actually Kenny was working on a record and uh, so I wasn't really thinking of it for me at the time and so I gave it I sent it over to Kenny and uh, he was like damn man I love that song and he was he was gonna record it on his last record and then just for reasons, whatever, you know, there's just so many reasons when you pick songs on a record. It just didn't really fit in with the batch of songs that he had. So uh, he goes, man, this is not going to be on this record, but I'd like to keep it for the next one because he really loved the song. And uh, so, you know, time goes. And it takes a little while for a record to, you know, materialize. And so... Somebody else was going to cut the song. Somebody else wanted that song to record. And it was, I remember it was like a Saturday morning. I was sitting out in my backyard drinking coffee, and I called Kenny, and I said, Hey, man, somebody wants that song. What should we do? And he goes, Man, hang on to that thing. And I said, Well, what if I put it on mine? He goes, Oh, hell yeah, man. Put that on yours. You know, because he loved it, and he, he, wanted to, he wanted somehow or the other to, you know, still have something to do with that song. And uh, so we did it, and we decided, okay, we're going to do that. And graciously, he came in and sang yeah, a second, second verse, verse, which like he well, he kills it. He's a communicator, man. He he cuts through. And there, there's great guys, you know, uh, Tim and Kenny and Garth and those guys, man. They just they reach out and grab you, you know, with their voice. And and uh, he comes in there, man. And just he he does it. I love it. Everything's gonna be alright. Who produced it? Well, it's uh, Kenny, Buddy, and Chris Stevens. And I. Man, such a group. Nobody's gotta worry about nothing. Don't go hitting that panic button. It ain't worth spilling your drink. 
Have you been playing this out at all? I have. Yeah? I've just, I've, I've been doing it acoustically, and uh, it's, you know, you don't have the, you know what that's like. And uh, what's really fun is just over the last couple of weeks, people have really been singing it back to me. And we did a show uh, Thursday night in Omaha, Nebraska. And uh, actually, I'll show you the little clip of it. Somebody took a video clip of it. It's really cool. People are really singing it back to me. I love it. It's my Again, I don't say this to your face. I've been saying it for weeks on the radio. It's my favorite song on the radio. Thank you. From the texture Thanks. of the song to the groove to the, the words, the whole thing. I, it, I appreciate it. I can't tell you how much fun we're having. I mean, we're really having a ball. So what's the this. deal with the record? Is Are you and Kenny doing all the songs together? Uh, on the album? Yeah. No, just we're just doing this one. Okay. And Kenny, Kenny uh, I'll tell you how it all happened. I, I, you know, over the years I've sent, Kenny's recorded a bunch of my songs in, uh, from Living in Fast Forward and Bar at the End of the World, Pirate Flag. Sorry about that big old P pop there. No, go ahead. <laughs> Our studio's put together like a nickel. Yeah, we, we take that as a, a badge of honor. <laughs> but uh, I'd been sending Kenny songs and, um, and one night I sent him this one particular song that's on my record and uh, he he called me back and he goes, man, I, I freaking love that song. And um, he goes, I would cut that. He goes, but I'm, he goes, I just want to ask you something. He goes, you, you sent me all this stuff. He goes, what if, if we go in the studio and we pick a bunch of songs and me and Buddy produce this album, we'll put it out. We'll just put it out on you and we'll, we'll do whatever we got to do. He goes, I think people should hear these songs. And, uh, of course I did a few little backflips, you know, cause that's like how, I mean, when Kenny, when Kenny's like, Hey man, why don't you do that? It's like, yeah, that, that was really cool. So I asked that about Kenny because I remember when the announcement was that you guys were doing a record together. Mm-hmm. And so that means that he was producing the yeah. record yeah, involved in the record somehow. Yeah. Yeah, he produced it, and he 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 just got the whole. In fact, he said something. We had a number one party for uh, till it's gone, and he said something about it then. And and we had been kind of keeping it a secret, and because uh, we didn't know exactly what what we were going to do with it at that time period, but we we had we've had so much fun with it, just picking the songs, going in, going in and recording doing overdubs, singing the stuff, mixing, mastering, you know, that whole process. Is it so. crazy to play? So you're playing this song and the crowd is now singing it back. But you have, from, you know, when I was a teenager, one of the most anthemic country songs, period, with Dust on the Bottle. I'm, people have to scream that song back at you, right? Uh, we had, well, Friday night, what we did was... Uh, a little dust yeah. on the bottle. I mean, people have I to just... That makes me feel good to still hear it. Does it? Yeah. So you're not tired of it? Never. Never. I mean, I can play this today, and I do at times on my show. Just play it. And everybody in the room goes, oh, yeah. They still. St- you have one of the it's, songs that have, that have, what, 20 years? Yeah, thank God, man. I, I mean, the, I remember as a kid growing up, and I always thought, I want, I want one of those songs that, uh, like, help me make it through the night or for the good times, or one of those old classic kind of Christopherson or one of those guys who wrote those songs that, you know, I wanted one of those songs that stuck around for a long time. And uh, I think Dust on the Bottom might be 
Yeah, I yeah. think it is. Yeah. You wrote that by yourself? Yeah. Do yeah. you, is it one of those songs, because I know as a songwriter and you have, I think I read something like 90 cuts in the last X amount of years, but, and every song isn't remembered where they were and you have to start creating a story because people always want to know, where were you? But you wrote that by yourself, that being the biggest song. Like, what, do you know? I, I vividly remember. You do? Yeah. Really? Like, you really do? Yeah. I was in Ashland City. I had a little house in Ashland City and I lived, um, I lived in, I lived on Blair Boulevard first when I moved to Nashville, over near the Vandy area, near Music Row. And then uh, I was living in like a garage apartment. And then I found this little bitty house out in National City, this little tin roof house. And um, I moved out there, and I lived out there for almost 10 years. And I wrote that at the kitchen table, and, and we had started recording the Out With A Bang album. And... Um, I, I remember the first morning we we cut like Out With A Bang, Party Crowd, and Can't Turn It Off, which were three songs off the Out With A Bang album. And I was really excited. I was really happy. It was it was uh, Tuesday morning, and I got up, and I was drinking coffee, and I was getting ready to come to town. And we were probably going to start at, you know, I was probably going to get there at 10 o'clock and, you know, you know start cutting again because we had four days to record the record and um i just started tearing through dust on the bottle it was just like coming out and um and i had basically both verses in the course and i called tony brown up and i had one of those remember those phone cords that were like that went like 20 feet yeah (laughs) i had one of those and i pulled my my kitchen phone was on the wall and I pulled that over on my table, and I said, "Tony, check this out, man." I, I said, "This this might be a hit," and I played him, "Greo Williams, live down a dirt road," and I played him that, and he goes, "Oh man, we got to cut that." And I didn't have the bridge yet, so I had the music for the bridge, but I didn't have the bridge lyrics yet. And so he goes, "Damn, man!" And so I go in the studio, and we didn't cut it that day; we cut it the next day. So um, that gave me time to go home and figure out what the the bridge lyrics were but uh you can still hear the strings kind of squeaking my acoustic strings on the record because you know we cut those things that was before pro tools and all that stuff and uh that it was it was magic when we cut it i think everybody it just felt like magic it was just like one of those when lightning just boom comes down i think everybody in the room uh and a lot of the guys that played on that record played on my new stuff too. Oh wow, really? So, yeah. All right, let, let me do this. So if you listen to this, you've heard me talk about Blue Apron. Blue Apron delivers fresh pre-portioned ingredients in a box right to your door, and you open the door and you're like, "Ooh, look, there it is!" Blue Apron can be cooked in under 45 minutes. The menu changes every week based on what's in season, and it's all designed by the Blue Apron in-house culinary team. Very flexible too, because when I order. Like, I, I like to try new things whenever I have time to be at home and cook. You can pick two, three, four recipes based on what fits our schedule. High quality, too. So Blue Apron sends only non-GMO ingredients and meat with no added hormones. And it comes to the house, right to your house. And you cook it whenever you want. Pan-fried chicken breast right now with sweet and tangy zucchini. What else do they have on here? Italian-style shrimp and sweet peppers over fragola sarda pasta. I don't even know what some of this stuff is. Uh, most of the time if I read it and I don't know what it is, I don't order it. But I for sure know what that pan fried chicken is. I've had that. Also, the Parmesan crusted steaks with mashed potatoes and broccoli. Had that. 
The quick bucatini with broccoli and pecorino cheese. Obviously, I don't know how to say that, but sounds good. Blue Apron treats listeners to the BobbyCast to $30 off your first order if you visit blueapron.com slash bobbycast. Check out this week's menu. You get 30 bucks off blueapron.com slash bobbycast. Blue Apron's a better way to cook. All right, so you moved to town. I guess you were, what, you were about 10 years before you got a record deal? Yeah. So what's that 10 years like for you? It was great, man. I mean... I- I had a great time. I mean, it was tough. I mean, it was during that time period. People were going, man, you, you uh, maybe you should, you know, think about doing something else. <laughs> you know, and I actually live from where, when where we're sitting right here. I I probably live two miles, and uh, but um, anyway, I, I had ten years of just um, trying to write songs. I had a Reba McIntyre cut. I had a Doug Stone cut. Dobie Gray cut one of my songs. Really? The Mains Brothers. I had just a few, you know, little cuts here and there, but nothing that really was a big hit. Were those cuts, though, substantial enough since records were bought to actually keep you paying your mortgage? Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, well, I didn't have a mortgage. Your rent? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Keeps you paying your rent. It kept me paying my rent, but uh, no, it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. I mean, now, if that would have been on, like, a Garth record or Alabama or something like that, yeah. But those records at the time, it just, it wasn't enough. It, it was enough to keep you kind of going, keep you, just to keep you, you know, living the lifestyle of, I'm a country music songwriter. What was it like growing up with you? What was, what was home like in Illinois? It was great. It was small town USA, you know. Um, it was small um i i grew up in a small town called heron illinois with about you know eight or nine thousand people and um just like so many small towns across the the south and the midwest and the north and you know all those little towns with downtowns and dairy queens and you know so you're a cardinals fan yeah so you live that part of illinois because i'm a huge cubs fan but you you know there's that illinois part that's still Missouri-ish. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, th- there's a line in Illinois that is Cardinal fans or Cub fans. Like, my father-in-law is a huge Cub fan. But the thing about Cardinal and Cub fans is there's nothing more fun than to go like to a St. Louis Cardinal-Chicago Cub game in St. Louis or at Wrigley Field. And I've been I've been to both. And uh, it's fun, man. And, and it's a good-hearted rivalry. I mean, it's like the girl might have on the Cardinals shirt and the guy might have the Cubs shirt on, and everybody's sitting around a table at at a place having a good time. You know, it's it's a fun game to go to. Yeah, I'm a huge Cubs fan. I've been to a bunch of those games in both places. Yeah, it's not like the Yankees and Red Sox where you worry about getting beat up. Yeah, no. You leave a Yan- you go, you go in a Boston hat to a Yankees game. <laughs> yeah, you might get jumped. Yeah, you probably will get jumped. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people may. They're listening to this may not know all the songs you've written, and may, holy crap! You, so, did you ever just go? You know, I'm gonna put the artist stuff on hold, consciously, and just focus on writing. Was that a thing? It, it wasn't on purpose, but it kind of turned into that. I mean, it it got to that, and um, and then after I started doing that, I just I wanted to just the the lifestyle of being a songwriter is is pretty nice. What was the first big cut? That you had out, we'll go single. That wasn't your voice. The first one that um, comes to mind. The first, 
Like the, the big, big first one. one, I would say living in fast forward. And uh, I have it right here. So I want to say that in your mind, that's the first big one to you. The first one that, that was the first one that was just like the first one that just like I remember I was uh, playing out at the Opry and uh, one of the guys from Sony or whatever label that was that Kenny was on at the time came up and said, hey, man, have you heard you're living in fast forward cut? And I go, no, I haven't. I can't wait to hear it. He goes, come on out. I'll play it. I'll play it in my car. And he played me that cut, and I was like, holy crap, man. I mean, that thing rocked uh, better than, well, first of all, we didn't do a demo on that song. And when you do a demo, um, you basically cut the song. So whoever's listening, the producers, the artists, the A&R people at the label, they hear that song and they go, okay, so-and-so could do this song. And on that particular song, I was writing with Rivers Rutherford. And uh, Rivers and I had written all day long, writing another song. And uh, he goes, man, I got to go. I got We got to get out of here in about 30 minutes. I got to go meet with Buddy Cannon because I'm going to play him some songs for Kenny. And uh, I go, all right. So we, start, we started wrapping up. And I go, hey, man, check out this idea and just see if this does anything for for you and uh because you know it was a kind of a cool little groove and and uh i played i played a i played a little bit of that and rivers just on a goes, guitar or on, on something you recorded on a, you on just a played guitar. it yourself yeah, yeah i was just playing it and he whipped out you know his notebook and he's like the body's a temple that's what we're taught i treated this one and he just started writing and and we sat there and wrote a verse and a chorus and part of the second uh, part of the second verse and he left and he went to his meeting with Buddy and I guess at the end of the meeting he uh, he had played Buddy a couple of songs and he goes hey man check out this little idea we just we just wrote like 20 minutes ago and Buddy goes man I want to put that song on hold for Kenny and we hadn't even finished you haven't recorded it, it. We, we, finished ha- it. we haven't finished it I mean the second verse we had some questions about um, greasy cheeseburgers and cheap cigarettes. I didn't know if Kenny would want to sing that. And the other one was the Hillbilly Rockstar line, you know. And um, I remember calling Buddy again. We'll, we'll, uh, we we were talking to him. I was like, you think Kenny will sing um, greasy cheeseburgers and cheap cigarettes? And he goes, yeah. He goes, I think he'll sing that. And how about the Hillbilly Rockstar out of control? And he goes, yeah. He goes, I think he'll do that. And uh, so we we finished the song on and just recorded it on like GarageBand, you know, on a computer and and gave it to Buddy and they cut it off that. So we literally didn't do a demo. It so just, when you heard it, it was really like you were I'm hearing not, something. Yeah, they, I mean that whole production, everything they did, the guitar parts, and I was like, damn, you know. I have was, you have you ever written a song and that situation comes up where they're like, I love this song. I just can't talk about a red truck because I've never had a red truck before. And you have to make the decision, do you change it? Do they change it and end up being a rider on it? Like, does that, Has that popped up before? Uh, not really. Not You mean like if some artist said, well, I don't have a red truck. I'm well, like Kenny, thing. if he would have said, I don't want to sing the you know, cheeseburgers and, and cheap, you know, 
would he have changed it? Would he have not taken the song? Are you that much invested that you can't change the lyrics of the song? Oh no, I mean I would change a song. I mean if if uh, now there's there's certain songs that I might not change depending upon what I thought. But if somebody said I, no, I don't drive this kind of truck, I drive that kind of truck, and I want it to be a blue truck, not a red truck. If they just said that, I go, oh yeah, you know, sure I'll change that. Has that ever been an issue before, where someone comes back and goes, I need this line changed? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sure. And depending on the artist, you'll do it? It, Yeah. I mean, if somebody really just wants a line changed, I mean, it's not, it's not like uh, so important, you know, that it couldn't be changed, you know. To me, I mean, if somebody said, well, I can't say Chevy because I've got a Ford endorsement and it just, you know. About this one right here. Pretty much launched Al Dean into superstardom. He was pretty big. He was pretty. He, he was he, doing pretty good. He was doing good, but this was the one that I say superstardom. I mean, this song took him to a whole other level. I mean, this one was the one where it started to go outside the country a bit. People started to go, "What's that? What's that song? Big Green Tractor." So you wrote this with who? Jim Collins. Did you? When you wrote it. Did you just throw it out to the world and see who wanted, or did you pitch it straight to Aldine? Actually, we pitched it to a couple of people first, and um, it 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 was uh, Jason and his guys like right off. I mean, Michael Knox, who's Jason's producer, he uh, he loved it right off the bat. But I remember the night I came. I was I was at my farm, and uh, I've got a big green tractor. And uh, I was riding around at it one night, and I had the headlights on, and uh, bush hugging, as we call it, you know, with the big moor behind a tractor, and you know, just cutting down sticker bushes and everything. And uh, I came up with that idea, and I was singing it to myself, you know, take your full ride on my big green tractor, just singing that. And uh, and I can't remember if it was the next day or the day after that. I was writing with Jim Collins, and Jim wrote. She thinks my tractor's sexy. And uh, so I walked in there and I go, hey, man, you feel like writing another tractor song? He goes, yeah, that's right. So we sat down there and we wrote that song. And um, that's probably, that that song's really fun to, to, to do live. I do it in my shows, you know. Well, I, I do a bunch of those songs. and uh, But Big Green Tractor's a really special song. I mean, everybody sings along to that one. How many of these songs? Uh, here's another one. Uh, how about Jake going anywhere with you? Since you wrote them, you can play what you can play them all in your show, right? You ever play this one? Played it the other night. Did you? Yeah. This is another one too that's gotten better with age. Like it, it's hard now for songs to stick because they move so fast, and so it's the ones that kind of come back again. And this is one of those. Some early-ish Jake. They made a great record there. I mean, I really love that record. I thought they did a fantastic job. I did it the other night in Omaha, Nebraska, and I did the old... Uh, have you ever seen Omaha, Nebraska? <laughs> <laughs> Every time you set them up? funny, yeah. The old gag. Everybody loves that old gag. Yeah, that's the easy one. Yeah. Well, you just fit the name of the town in somewhere, and everybody... Like, he's just, talking about me. <laughs> it's me. 
Let me talk about this. You know, when it comes to your health, brushing your teeth, is one of the most important parts of your day. That's why I do it so many times. Quip knows that. They've combined dentistry and design to make a better electric toothbrush. And if you have a mouth, well, I'm talking to you, of course you have a mouth. But now you can take better care of it with Quip, the electric toothbrush that looks like it was designed by Apple and cleans like premium electric brushes, but without the high price. If you're a person with a mouth, it's likely you don't brush your teeth for a full two minutes. You don't do the twinkle, twinkle, little stars or whatever they say to do. But with Quip, they get that. They designed the perfect electric toothbrush. Quip is the new electric toothbrush that packs the right amount of vibrations into a slimmer design at a fraction of the cost of the bulkier traditional electric brushes. And guiding pulses alert you when it's time to switch sides, making the right effortless. I mean, it's the right amount of brushing. Also, Quip comes with suctions and to your mirror, put it right there. And it unsticks as you cover for hygienic travel anywhere. I travel a lot. So if you're going to your gym, carry on. Uh, Quip's awesome. Quip starts just 25 bucks. You can go to getquip.com slash bones. Getquip.com. G-E-T-Q-U-I-P. Getquip.com slash bones. Get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. So first refill. Just go getquip.com slash bones. Getquip.com slash bones. I have one. It's awesome. Okay, so, what, so fun, you're doing radio shows again, huh? Uh, you, where you go out yeah, and yeah. you and go I'm and having a ball, man. I mean, I, I, I'm really loving it because it, it kind of, man, you're just going, you're going out and, and hanging out with the folks and, and playing music and they love music, man. I mean, people love music and they love those old songs too. I mean, not old, I mean, those are not old songs, but, um, it's fun because to go out there and do those songs and then they hear everything's going to be all right and they get and dust on the bottle and they put like two and two together and they go, Oh yeah, that's pretty cool. So it's, um, it's, it's a pleasure really. It's not, it's not a chore. It's a pleasure. You have so many monsters here. How about this one? Are you going to kiss me? It's a monster. It's like the biggest song, most played song of the year that year. Was this written as a duet? No, it wasn't. Um, it was. It was. It was just. It was a guy song. It wasn't a girl song. In fact, Kiefer called me up, and he goes, "Hey, man, can you write this? Can we change this?" Here's an example <laughs> of of what we were talking about a while ago. Kiefer called me up, and he said, "Hey, man, can can we write this to where, like, uh, like Shauna can sing some of it." Because she was really the she was really the 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 main vocalist in in the band in Thompson Square yeah yeah and uh, I go damn man I don't know it's kind of it's kind of a guy song uh, let's see what we can do you know and then they called back and said forget it we're just gonna do it like it is and so she sings harmony she doesn't really take the lead role in the song and uh, they killed it man I mean that song and. It played for weeks and weeks and weeks, you know, with a bullet, which was, which is a bullet means it's still moving up the charts, and um, they just did a great job with it. And the guys, um, the guys that that produced the record did a great job too. Yeah, that was a monster. I believe it was the biggest song of like twenty. I, th- I think it was the most played song. Yeah, yeah I, 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 think I had a plaque somewhere that says most most played song for. Yeah, man. This is jam too. You wrote this one. That was me, Kiefer, and Brett James, and we wrote that in uh, Colorado. 
When you write with an artist, are you always writing for the artist? Yeah, try so to. If you're writing with Kiefer from Thompson Square, you're working on a specific Thompson Square project. Yeah, we're trying to write something. We're we're trying to write something that is what they feel like they need for their project. Like if they if they say they want a party song, usually people want party want me to write like a party kind of crazy. Do they ever party. go? Let's do something like Dust on a Bottle. I've had people say that. <laughs> I said, damn man, it took me 15 years to write that one. <laughs> And I haven't written another one since, so, yeah. So you get with Thompson Square, and they have the kind of song that they want to write, and so you sit down, and you try to knock it out. Try to. Doesn't you, always work. Do you enjoy you know. writing with artists? Or yeah, do you, I do. Yeah? Yeah, because, I mean, they, I mean, most artists know what they kind of want to do, and they, they kind of know what they're missing in their show. And I get it, because... I get out there and play, and, and I know what it's like. It's like, I want something that rocks. I want something that I can walk around the stage and, you know, um, just sing at the top of my lungs. Or I want something that I can just hit the brakes in the show and slow down and have, have a cool, like, moment, you know, of a song. So, You know what's funny about you is you ain't broke. You got a shirt with a hole in the armpit of it. What you got? You sure got a big hole in the armpit? You ain't even. You're not broke. It's comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fine. But that's why people like you. That's why everybody says they're like, "Man, David Murphy's the nicest guy." Like he has. There's no. He just is him. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah, that's true. When you were growing up as a kid, who did you idolize musically? Oh man, well, I was a big Skinnerd fan when I when I was young. I liked Skinnerd. Do you but, remember the plane crash? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I was camping the night that it came over the air, and I was—I had tickets to go see Leonard Skinner the following Sunday in Evansville, Indiana. After the plane crash. After the plane crashed, and my buddy and I—there were two or three of us—we were sitting out in the woods in lawn chairs, and we had a campfire. And it was like on a Thursday night when when I think it was a Thursday night when the plane crashed. And we're sitting out in the woods. We got a campfire going, and we're sitting there listening to, you know, music. And we turned over, and, you know, we're just flipping through the channels, and we turned over to the uh, classic, well, I don't even know what they called it, classic rock then, but we turned over to the rock and, rock and roll station, and it said, Leonard Skinner's planes crashed. And it's like, what? I mean, it was like, you know, it was just crazy. And then we, we were all going to go to the concert. You know, in Evansville, which was probably a two-hour drive from where I was. Wow, from. you remember that being said over the radio, huh? Yeah. yeah. You ever had any close calls like that? But it, they didn't know who was. They yeah, didn't right. know at the time wh- who was in which plane. And who, yeah, and who lived? Yeah, yeah. They just said Leonard Skinner. Uh, and that's plane. not really a person. Leonard Skinner's not really a person. It was a band, right? It's the band. Yeah. Wow. But it ended up being Ronnie Van Zant, Steve Gaines, and Cassie Gaines. In, in the band but um, but yeah I was a huge Skinner fan and and, uh, and I mean whenever I first moved to town when I first moved to Nashville uh, my manager worked for um, Charlie Daniels organization so I was kind of tied in with Charlie Daniels when I first moved to town with that whole organization but I was a huge Waylon fan I mean I was a gigantic Waylon fan I loved Haggard and all of those classic guys and at that time I mean I was really young 
and they didn't have like young country singers. You had to be forty. You had to have even, life experiences to sing about life experiences. Yeah, you had to have like tons of wrinkles, you know, tattoos, scars, and have been there and done that to be taken seriously as a country singer. And I was just a kid, you know. So, but I loved it. I had a great time. I mean, I loved growing up in that time period. You ever have any close calls on an airplane? Never have. Thank God. <sighs> Man. There's some, you? Uh No. I mean, I think so. But no, like not really. The turbulence were... Uh, yeah, like my cup fell over because they had turbulence. I thought I was going to die. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People uh, scream on the plane? Oh, yeah. Me. Ah! <laughs> yeah, that's who screams. <laughs> oh, God! Yeah, I'll be on a Southwest flight thinking we're going to crash into the ocean, like right over Iowa. I don't... Yeah, yeah those planes, I don't, man. I don't like that. I don't like that. I, I've, I've been lucky so far. I w- <laughs> Yeah. Knock on wood. Yeah. Man, this this song now. And you had the record coming in April, right? Yeah. That's, that's when it's mm-hmm. the whole no thing. No Zip out. Code. That's what it's called. Is the album. No Zip Code. Where'd that come from? Uh, it was a... We, we were just writing one day and we came up with... We started writing this song and um, it's just about um, this guy imagining that he would like to live in a place where... The whole the whole thing is like he's got this imaginary girl and he's laying it in the you know a place where it's no zip code and he's it's just imaginary place. From right now everything's gonna be all right. Everything's gonna be back in the day. Your very first song was on was on eight seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was that song called? Just once. Just oh yeah. This this is the first song do. on the eight second soundtrack. How big a deal was it to get on that? It was pretty cool at the time. That when when that um, we did the video on that with the film with the footage from the movie, and that was the first time. That was probably the first time that I would walk through somewhere and somebody would come up to me and go, "Hey, man, aren't you David Lee Murphy?" <laughs> you know, and because I it was like total anonymity up until that point. And then it was like, I saw your video. And, uh, you know, videos were huge at that time period. I mean, you know, all the country music channels. And it was really fun. I mean, I missed those videos because it was entertainment. You could put the videos on and just be goofing around in your house. And there's a country music video playing of whoever, you know, Brooks and Dunn or, you know, Dwight Yoakam or Shania Twain. or It was just, it was there was always something playing. Who was in your class? When you moved to town, who kind of moved to town around that time? You guys kind of came up, started writing together, figuring out the city together? Um, well, there were guys that, that I got to be friends with early on that, that were you know, playing around in bars like Steve Earle. He was playing. Um, uh, Bill Lloyd, Radney Foster, those guys. We were all kind of in the same little time period there. And... Um, but I remember Randy Travis playing out at the Nashville Palace. In, um, Early? Yeah. He was the house band out there. But I remember, oh, and Kix. I remember Kix and Ronnie. Kix and I were the two um, token skinny white guy uh, bouncers <laughs> for, for the concert down there. You know, we were the two, you know, we were both musicians and they had us, you know, down there in yellow t-shirts you know it's like they put us backstage you know it was it was really funny but we got like 35 bucks a piece to stand down there and make sure 
you know, when, when you're at that point in your life and $35 means a lot, but Kix and I, we still laugh about, I mean, we still talk about, it. it's like, yeah, I remember cause they, they had all these other guys that were these great big old like defensive linemen, you know, from, you know, college kids down there and Kix and I were down there and I probably, we probably weighed about 165 <laughs> you know kicks is probably about 170 you know but we both we both worked for um sound 70 indirectly and they did all the big rock shows and the big concerts here in in nashville so look at this from just once, just once well, I wouldn't do it. to dust on the bottle it might be a little dust on the bottle to everything's gonna be all everything's right everything's gonna be Back at it again. Here you go. Like right now, you're in the top twenty. I looked before you came over. In the top twenty. It's crazy. Can't stop, won't stop. It's fun, man. Good luck with the record. Thank you. I plan to listen to it and play it when it comes out. Yeah. Thank you for playing this one, man. Again, I love it. I said at the beginning. I said it again. This is my favorite song right now on the radio. Really, I appreciate you coming over the house. It's my pleasure. I'm a big fan. You've always been very kind to me out and about, and so. I was uh, very, I was excited when you you were coming over. Thank you, thank you for having me. So we'll we'll, we'll it. wrap it up. Uh, I'm a fan. Thanks. No zip code in April, and if you're listening to this after April, no zip codes out now, and you'd like for them to listen to it. I would. Hey. Listen, <laughs> listen, listen. Oh, they Here they come. Here come the guys. Yeah, they're back in. They're bringing the horn. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. All right. Good. Good to see you. Good to talk thank to you. you All right.